Welcome to Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We are so glad you decided to join us today. We know you're going to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged by this powerful sermon. title this today, How Godly Men Treat Their Wives. And we're going to read one verse, 1 Peter 3, 7, as we're taking our journey through the book of 1 Peter. What's great about going through books of the Bible verse by verse is you're going to eventually hit upon every topic. And we touched on the wives last week being submissive to their husbands, and actually wives being submissive to even their unbelieving husbands, that they may win them to the Lord without even saying a word by their lifestyle. And like I said last week, tough to do sometimes, but we're called to do it. Today is to the husbands. Paul talks a lot about husbands and wives, husbands loving wives, but Peter has a few things to say today as well. So we're going to read this together in 1 Peter 3, 7, how godly men treat their wives. So as John said when he first came in here this morning, he's gotten ready already to take his blows. Amen. <laughs> Ain't like a man. Amen. So let's read this together today. It says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker. And ladies, hold on. Well, don't jump on that one yet. Or, Since she is a woman. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, who, here we go, so that your prayers will not be hindered. I almost want to look at this and not even look up. I just want to stay to my notes so I don't say anything of my own thought. But let's go. So he talked about, again, last week, verses 1 through 6 of chapter 3 talking to wives, submit to your husbands. And now he starts off with this, this phrase, you husbands. The way the Greek is written, it's as if he's saying, hey husbands, listen up. I have something that you need to know. Very profound in this statement. You husbands, in the same way, it denotes likewise, in the same manner, denoting perfect agreement. You husbands, I'm going to teach you how godly men treat their wives. Listen up. And I'll say it right now. If you're a man in here and you don't listen up, you are not listening to the word of God. We either are obedient to God's word or we hear the word. That's a nice message. And we go out and we live disobediently towards it. This is so powerful because it keeps you in tune spiritually in your home, your family, and your prayers are heard. A marriage out of alignment will have hindered prayers. Remember, I have a wife sitting in the front row too. Amen. So this is without a doubt, this phrase, in the same way, indicates that submission is also the responsibility of the Christian husband. He's saying, you husbands, just like your wife is submitted to you as her spiritual leader, 
you in the same way submit to your Lord. The wife obviously submitted to the Lord, but she submitted underneath her husband. The man leads the home. Amen? That's why men have to get it together. Lead their home spiritually. They're the leaders of that home. That wife submits, and a wife can easily come up underneath a man who is living holy as unto God, leading their home in the right way. Doesn't mean he's better than her. It means he's been designated as the spiritual leader of the home. And Paul even instructs that one of the manifestations of the spirit-filled life is that husbands and wives willingly submit to one another and to the Lord. We can talk about a lot of things about being spirit-filled, but if you're not doing things like this, then you're not living in the spirit-filling that you're supposed to be living in. If you're truly filled with the Spirit, which you are when you're saved, and you're living in the power controlled by the Spirit, husbands, this is what we're supposed to be doing. He charges the husband to exercise his loving duty of being sensitive to the needs, fears, and feelings of his wife to subordinate his needs to hers. Her needs are more important than yours. And we always have heard this, that I'm supposed to treat my wife better than I treat my own body. And man, when I go do something, I make sure I got a bag with me that's got protein drinks in it and bars, and I've thought about the spacing of time, and I'll throw a couple muffins in there. I need some egg wraps. I need this. And I got food. Man, it is, lo- it is in things and cartons, but I make sure I take care of my body. Well, I'm supposed to put more thought into taking care of my wife than I do that. We're to show consideration, chivalry, and intimate friendship. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives. Live with your wives. Greek word is used only here in the New Testament. It means to dwell or to reside together. It's in the present tense and calls this to be the husband's lifestyle. Dwelling together. It's in a sense, live with is used as an imperative. It's another command. Live with your wife. Fulfilling your marital duties. Dwelling with and loving your wife. Dwelling with, loving her. Tragically, I read a survey that revealed that the average husband and wife had 37 minutes a week together in actual communication. Husbands and wives only talking to each other 37 minutes a week. Someone says, we know I'm busy. We don't get an out on this. Amen? So you wonder if it's any wonder that marriages fall apart when the children grow up and leave the home. They're not talking to each other while the children are there. It's not going to happen when the children leave. Now there's a huge empty hole there. They're left alone to cohabit as virtual strangers. And I I read this somewhere and I put it down. To be honest, the empty nest era era should be the best of times, not the worst of times. Y'all love your children, but when your children are gone, man, y'all got... (laughs) It's party, man. Hey, man, I mean, have fun. Your kids are out. They're doing what they're doing. Husbands and wives, let's, let's do some stuff. Should be a great time, not a time of silence. And a lot of divorces take place when the children leave the home because, again, they're cohabiting as virtual strangers because they've never spent time with each other. You all with me on that? 
Paul, writing to the church of Colossae, commands husbands to love, not just when they feel like it, not just physically, but as their lifestyle. To love their wives as Christ loved the church, not to call their wives honey and then act like vinegar. It's the way we live before them. They must display or not display harshness of temper. I'm telling you something. When you talk about loving your wife, we're supposed is very convicting. We're supposed to love our wives like Jesus loved the church. Not with harshness of temper, not resentment toward them, not irritated or exasperating with them. Loving leadership in the home. And we will do this for everyone else that we're around. Whether we are at work, we will put on the best face possible. We won't act irritated. We won't act uh, with resentful anger towards anyone. But when we walk in the door, not me, when we walk in the door, it changes. She gets the worst. She gets the cutting words. She gets the silence. She gets the harsher treatment. When ultimately your wife should be that one person that's got your back more than anybody. I know my wife has my back. I know that I can, I, I know that if something happened in our home, someone tried to get in here, my wife would be at the door before I was probably. My wife's got my back. You husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way. Some versions say according to knowledge. What's that mean? We're supposed to know our wife. We're supposed to know our wife. Study her. Get to know what makes her tick. I think every woman right there, I don't know why I just looked around. Every single woman in here was doing something on that one. I don't know why. That was, there's something to that. And for those who are even potentially thinking about marriage, oh, please listen. Get ahead on this. Study your wife. Get to know what makes her tick. Figure out how her mind works. How does my wife's mind work? Learn what her gifts are, her desires, her talents, her hopes, her dreams. Learn those things about your wife. That's what it means here. In an understanding way, according to knowledge, get to know your wife. A Christian husband who really knows his wife sees her talents and abilities, and he opens the door for her and says, Sweetheart, go for it. If she can sing, if she can teach, if she can write, if she can buy and sell, if she can organize, if she can design, if she can administrate, if she can encourage, if she can counsel, if she can program a computer, if she can start a company, if she can think creatively, he says, that husband says, Babe, go for it. And we push our wives into who God has made them to be. Peter says it's your job, husbands, to study your wife, to get to know her intimately, and to live together with her on the basis of that knowledge. To know your wife. And I read this um, recently, that the brain contains two hemispheres. There is the left and the right side of the brain. Neuroscientists tell us that women typically have a larger pathway between the two hemispheres so that information flows more freely. It's 
To put it simply, most men have a footpath, most women have a superhighway. They're generally more verbal and more in touch with their emotions and better at forming deep relationships. When I used to try to play golf, I'd go out on the golf course and try to play, play with guys, and they would not, guys don't ask each other anything till like the 13th hole, they might go, what do you do? I'm in the ministry. Oh, man, I am so sorry for everything I've just been saying the whole time <laughs> I've been playing with you today. Women, they build these relationships much quicker. Men are so really superficial. That's why men are better at verbal tasks. That's why men always have the remote. They're just tasks. And I would say more about this, uh, how men and women think differently, but the women already know what's going on, and the men are going, you know, what's he talking about? It's just a general way that people think. Uh, women are amazing. God made them amazing. That's why you can be married for 30 years and still find your wife fascinating and captivating. After 30 years, I still want to find my wife fascinating and captivating. I will honestly say I haven't been the perfect husband. I, I, I uh, well, nobody has. Neither of you. Anyway, so, <laughs> and, uh, but, but, <laughs> I, 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 I had to make sure when I went through this, I didn't just put you, I put we, you know, you know, Lady Edward. And uh, your pronouns. Um, so I wasn't jamming it all on you because it's just all of us. But I, I can honestly say that after um, almost 20 years, wow, 20 years, I still, I st- I'm still fascinated by her. I'm still uh, fascinated by the way she thinks and, and how she acts. I'm fascinated that she still loves me the way she does. And it's awesome. And how she makes me feel, but just the ways I, I, there's things I'm, you know, I'm still learning and still watching reactions and thinking, man, um, women, they are amazing. Her mind works in so many ways, and the wise husband recognizes this um, in his wife, talents and abilities, and he encourages her to develop them. But a lot of husbands are afraid to push their wife to something, um, some type of, situation like that move out honey because they 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 fear change they feel their wife is going to change somehow well you know what she will but she'll change for the better and you're releasing her into who she's called to be and uh your wife will change you have to lose the seed to gain the flower and how beautiful to see a christian wife blossom under the creative encouragement of a loving husband So as a man, I don't want to hold my wife back. I want her to be all that she can be for the glory of God. I want my wife to be everything that she can be. You want your wife to be everything that she can be for the glory of God. And here's the thing about men. We're told that we're supposed to be the breadwinners. I have nothing against women working, but men are the leaders. They're supposed to help provide for their family. They're supposed to be the spiritual leaders of their home. They're supposed to go to work and they labor and they do all these things. Well, men get tired and it's tough sometimes, but the thing about it is God, all of us who are living in the spirit are capable of, of handling all of this responsibility as men. But we have as much divorce rate in the body of Christ as we do in the world today. And sometimes some people say a little bit more. 
We still have men thinking, well, you know, grass must be greener on the other side. And they're jumping ship. I've had men, I have literally seen men in ministry say that God told them to divorce their wife because they're supposed to marry that girl. Seen it personally. We've got to get this thing together. And I don't know about any of the other men in here, but you know, with a wife sitting in the front row, I, I want to make a commitment that I, that I, you know, even this morning when I got done, and I don't think it's because I was looking over my sermon, but when she came out of the bedroom to, to get raised early in the morning, I looked at her and I said, she said something nice to me. And I, I think I said, uh, I said, hi, beautiful. And uh, she goes, oh, it's, that's my language. And I thought, did I just do that because I was going over the sermon, or did I really mean it? (laughs) You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. The word weaker literally means weaker vessel. It's the word where we get our word vase. You treat her as as, as, as the weaker vessel. It means... The word in the Greek means priceless. It's like priceless china. Treat her as a we- as the weaker as the as the weaker vessel, as that priceless piece of china, sacred. As, this word was used also used as sacred vessels used in the temple for the worship of God. Same word. When Peter calls the wife the weaker vessel, he's not referring to moral character or to intellectual ability or spiritual perception. And it certainly doesn't have anything to do with outward beauty. He refers primarily to the difference in physical strength between men and women. And with some of you men in here, if your wives are stronger than you, I don't know what I don't know what to think about that. But anyway, get to the gym, do something. Amen. You're called to be. Amen. It refers primarily to the difference of physical strength. And Peter's point is not that the wife is here for all the wives here, you're not in any way inferior to the man. But God has made us as men to be stronger than women. And when men realize this, it can begin to move in your life. And so when you really grab a hold of this, it'll cause you to look at your wife and realize, wow, maybe I should grab some of those grocery bags from her. Now, maybe I should carry the baby a little bit more. She needs our protection, our provision, our strength. As per God's sovereign design, this is the way He designed it. And for women to get up in arms and say, Well, I'm as strong as I can, it's not a matter of that. This is God's sovereign design, the way He designed men and the way He designed women. We are the ones, again, here's another responsibility we're the protectors. So, husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman. This phrase, since she is a woman, takes us back to Genesis 2 18 where God created Eve as a helper for Adam. She is a woman. She is his help meet, helper meet, or someone who's fit for you. The word means one who does for another what that person cannot do for himself. Your wife is given to you because you are incomplete without her. Wasn't there a movie out there where the guy said, you complete me? In the reality of all of this, your wife is brought to you, and that's why you've got to wait for the right one she completes you 
She's able to do things for you that you cannot do for yourself, and it's not just cooking and cleaning. She brings aspects into your life, into your future, and even into the way that you operate. And for me, in ministry, God has brought her into my life. She can, we, we, we do ministry together. It's not just me up here. That's why I'm not afraid. I know some churches, you never see the wife that's the guy up front and the wife's back. I don't, I'm not, our church will never operate that way. Um, my wife is going to do the things that she does, but that completes me. That, that we, we work in that together. So your wife is, if you, I think if you really grab the understanding that my wife has been brought into my life to complete me, man, it really makes you want to really love and pet and honor and esteem, doesn't it? Because you wouldn't be the man you are if you did not have your wife. She's not another man. She's a woman. Separate, unique, different in every respect. Is everybody with me today? You husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor. Matthew Henry commentary said that the husband's duty to his wife consisted in giving due respect, protecting her person, supporting her credit, delighting in her conversation, affording her a handsome maintenance and placing a due trust and confidence in her. The word honor means esteem and reverence and show her esteem and and reverence. Husbands are to show their wives that they are precious by spending time with them, talking with them, praying with them, protecting them, and loving them as Christ loved the church. And for any man in here, I'm going to give you a little bullet point right here. If you're not praying with your wives, this is for all of us, you've got to start doing it today. You've got to start having that intimate time of prayer with your wife. And if you're not praying on your own, that needs to change. I'm a big believer in getting up early in the morning and spending time with God first, individually. But then I need to be praying with my wife every day. Every day? every se- Why not every day? Every day. Spending time praying with your wife. Loving them as Christ loved the church. And this is interesting. Do you know Christianity introduced chivalry? Christianity introduced chivalry into our society. In the Greek and Roman culture, it was common for the husband to expect his wife to carry out all the domestic duties, but they never entered into an intimate friendship. Christianity, the Christian husband, is to develop an intimate friendship with her. She should be literally your best friend. She should literally be your best friend. I am with my wife almost, I don't know, many hours of the day. We work here together. We go different places together. Um, and yeah, we don't have kids that separate, we have, you know, that kind of thing. But we, we, we still, we're, we're together all the time. Um, and I actually enjoy it. I love having my wife around. Especially when I'm around other people because she can do most of the talking. Because she completes me, amen? <laughs> when my words are done, I don't know what to say, and I'm stuck. In, we used to travel overseas, and we'd be in Africa traveling somewhere, and, you know, we're gone, I'm doing seven, eight schools a day in these Muslim Hindu schools and preaching to 2,000 kids seven, eight times in the daytime, and you got to preach, preach at night in front of, you know, these gigantic, or wherever, you, whatever you're doing. And I'd have her in the car, and she completed me because when I was exhausted, she'd be, I, I'd look at her and go, 
So I'd kind of try to get a little, and man, she'd just kick in and start talking. I'm like, there it goes. She completes me. It's a beautiful thing. Marriage is an awesome thing. It's not supposed to be something that we rip on. It's not supposed to be something that when we get around other people as men that we put down. We should not ever be in someone else's company talking down our wife. That's sin. That's sin before a holy God because we're supposed to be esteeming, reverencing, and loving her as Christ loved the church. Do you think Jesus goes around a bad mouth? His bride. He loves his bride. He died for his bride. Peter says husbands are supposed to habitually practice honoring their wives. One Bible commentator said, Chivalry may be dead, but every husband must be a knight in shining armor who treats his wife like a princess. A husband should treat his wife like an expensive, beautiful, fragile vase in which is a precious treasure. And after they get married, many a husband forgets to be kind and gentlemanly and starts taking his wife for granted. He forgets that happiness in a home and is made up of many little things, including the small courtesies of life. Big resentments then often grow out of small hurts. Supposed to be a place of great peace, and that husband sets the tone. We always say the wife is the temperature. She's the thermometer of the, of the home. But the man, really, he sets the tone of the home. I don't open the door for my wife because she's incapable. I open the door for my wife to honor her. My wife is fully physically capable of opening up a door for herself. But I want to honor her. It's just something... It was introduced into the Christian, civil, Christian theme of chivalry. We open up the door for our wives. You husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. It means someone who participates in the same experience. You're both experiencing the grace of life that God extends to us and you're doing it together. So treat her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. And Solomon wrote this. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which she has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Your wife is a reward to you. And in the fleeting life that you live as a man of God on this earth, you're supposed to live your life Loving your wife more than anybody else but Jesus. As a husband, hear me. It's the husband and the wife. The kids are a welcomed addition. The wife gets the affection first before the kids. The wife is where you're joined together. You're as one flesh. It's a mystery. The kids are a welcomed addition. We love them, obviously. We love them, we love them. You love them, you love them, right? But your marriage is one. God sees you as one. Now we get to this. As a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers, so that. 
so that. It's a preposition. It's used here in a figurative sense. It marks the point toward which the husband's godly care of his, life, of his wife will lead. So that you do all these things, honor, esteem, reverence, live with them this way, so that, so that your prayers will not be hindered. If you treat your wife the way that the Bible describes for you to treat your wife, it will literally give you an open channel to the throne of God. It has nothing to do with whether we're in the ministry. It has nothing to do with we are supposed to treat our wives as Christ treated the church, as Christ loves His bride, and if we love them this way, it will give us an open channel to God. And you wonder why maybe things aren't going the way you want them to be. You need to look at your marriage. Because there is a direct correlation between the way you treat your wife and how you see God and how your relationship with God is. It's that significant. And for a man that mistreats his wife, is shutting that door of an open channel to God. It affects your relationship with God if your marriage isn't right. So it behooves all of us, not just because it's a duty, but it's supposed to be a loving duty that we live this way. It should be a strong motivating force for all of us as husbands. The word for hindered is a military term. It says, so your prayers will not be hindered. The word, the Greek word for, for hindered is a military term for an army digging a trench and a road to stop the enemy's advance. That's why we look at the original languages because it's a beautiful thing. In other words, it describes what Satan is going to do in your spiritual life. If husbands don't take this seriously, Satan will dig a trench and your prayers will never get through. There's legitimacy to this. An automobile engine gets out of whack if one little piece within that engine malfunctions. Physically, if we have one breakdown in our physical bodies, we'll find ourselves sometimes in the hospital. And there's this delicate balance between physical and spiritual, and a marriage that is out of tune emotionally or physically will soon be out of tune spiritually. And you wonder why sometimes marriages are the way they are when you have men who are supposed to be leading the way and they're never spending time in prayer. And they're never spending time with their wife. And they're never spending time in prayer with their wife. And you wonder why their marriage is the way they are. Well, this thing ain't working, man. I'm getting out of this. And they run off to something else. You can't ignore your wife and get through to God. You can't mislove her and get through to God. I mean, one of the greatest things that I can do to make sure my prayers are being answered is the way I treat my wife. So when this service is over, I got some things I want God to do, so I am going to really start pressing in on this. Amen? When we are truly one with each other, we are truly one with God. When I am truly one at heart with my wife, then we are truly one with God. It's that important. That's why when someone asks me to do a marriage, it is a big deal to me. 
I take doing marriages very seriously. And I look him in the eye and I talk to him very seriously. I don't make jokes. I look him in the eye and I talk to him very seriously. I look at the husband. I use it as an evangelistic opportunity to say, you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loved the church. And I'll talk to him about that right in front of all those witnesses and let him know what that means, how deep that is. That what you're about ready to do in just a minute, when I tell you to say, I do, it is serious. But it is a journey that you can get on, man, that you can see so many great things take place because you're doing it with that person that God brought into your life. Your domestic relationship to your wife has a profound impact on your spiritual fellowship with God. And I'll conclude with this. Husbands, our work as men, like I said, is cut out for us because every man in this place needs to step up their game. We need to watch how we say things to our wives. We need to watch. What's that tone like? Is that kind? Was that a kind thought? Was that a kind statement that I just made to my wife in front of all those people? Or was it cutting and harsh? We need to understand our wives, love her, honor her, so that our prayers individually and as a couple will never be hindered. The late Bible teacher Harry Ironside once had a spiritual young man come to him and say, Dr. Ironside, I have a spiritual problem. I love my wife too much. He probably thought that Ironside would commend him for his great dedication to God, but instead Ironside wisely asked him, do you love her? as much as Christ loved the church. When the young man stammered, well, no, I don't love her that much. (laughs) Ironside said, then get on with it because that's the command. To love our wives like Jesus loves the church and gave himself up for her. I'm going to ask Brandon to come up and play for us, and I'm going to pray over the husbands first. And I'm actually going to ask the guys to get up out of their seats and come up here and stand in front of me. Thank you for joining us at Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We pray this sermon blessed you, encouraged you, inspired you, and challenged you in your walk with Christ. Thank you for being with us, and come back and visit us anytime. God bless you.